Pow, pow, pow. Blue's Clues? That was definitely Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues is why I like true crime. Just gotta find the second clue. Uh, Who murdered it? Oh, this is not going to be a fun night for me. What, what's up? You okay, Jazz? No. What'd you eat? What did you eat, Jazz? Gurgly belly. Taquitos! No, 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 no. I, I, I have an actual I have an actual medical thing going on. <laughs> oh, I can't roast you for that. Oh, we can. We can. Yeah, that's a... Like pulled a muscle in the middle of my ribs. So every time I cough and or laugh really hard, it just hurts right through here, right up under my peck. So yeah, try not to kill me tonight, guys. Appreciate it. I can promise nothing. Uh... We're so hilarious. What are we going to do? <laughs> I was just going to say, use tux. <laughs> tux helps the hemorrhoids. So if you got to poop, use tux. So after Harlan's hemorrhoid endorsement, speaking of sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Tux. If you got, if you want to holler at your boy. Yes, everyone knows Harlan is the face of hemorrhoids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gimme the Loot podcast, the unofficial TTRPG podcast of Tux Medical Pads. My name's Turner. I'll be your dungeon master and host of pre, mid, and post-show announcements and reader of lengthy medical cream disclaimers. Episode 6, The Crew Infiltrates Taliesin and enacts the first of many beautifully twisted plans with the new crew. If you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And of course, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. New or old, we do sincerely appreciate you making time for us and your busy podcast listening schedule. And of course, a special thank you to our patrons whose support helps us bring you bigger and better content. Of course, a reminder, Gimme the Loot is not a family-friendly show due to a mix of crude humor, profanity, and a lot of profanity out of one particular gnome. Fantasy violence and gore. Any additional content warnings will be in the show notes below. And for this week's episode, we want to recognize Juneteenth, a holiday that was just recently nationally recognized but has been an event in Texas for quite some time. If you're not familiar with Juneteenth, we highly encourage you to do a little extra research. We'll link to the Wikipedia page in the show notes below. It's particularly relevant right now as a portion of our country tries to rewrite history and tries to limit information about the histories of people of color in our country. Some of the stories around Juneteenth center on the suppression of the news of emancipation to delay the end of slavery in the state of Texas. It is a shining example of how control of information can be used to systematically oppress people. And it's something that is still shockingly relevant to this day. And we encourage any of you who are not familiar with it to, at the very least, do the reading provided in the show notes below. But we'll definitely recommend that you familiarize yourself even deeper because there are some amazing stories that need to be shared. On that note, happy Juneteenth, everybody, and an ongoing happy Pride Month. Let's start the show with Tori as Maury, Harland as Todd the Tiefling, Jamie as Eldrin Thaneros, Jazz as Fate of Normier, and Anthony as Bob Latunde. Okay, so you guys hop in the Winnemago, begin traveling back. Um, again, it's just a couple of days travel in the Winnemago, uh, largely uneventful on the way back. 
As you're writing, Ognum does begin to lay out what his plans are for the next couple of days. It's, all right, so, um, gang, this is, uh, uh, we just, we need to get into the city. Probably a good idea if we uh, were a little stealthy about it. So um, it might be a good idea to park the Winamajo at the, uh, at the edge of the clearing around Taliesin and engage stealth mode, um, at which point you guys can pop out. We can go inside. Uh, we'll make our way over to my lab. It's in defense mode, so we'll have to disarm that, and then we'll get inside. Mori and I will be able to scry and ascertain the location of my body, and then we will uh, we'll figure out our next steps from there. All right? It, uh, in, uh, I- I- any questions? Uh, lasers? Uh, we have to disarm those? No, it's no, it's not. There's not like a, well, there is a disintegration rate mm, or two. Uh, no, my lab is programmed to phase into the ethereal plane in uh, moments of issue, so nobody can get into it or uh, get out of it, possibly. I do really hope it wasn't the cleaning lady's day to come by. But my cottage and uh, my lab will have phased into the ethereal plane. We just will need to access it. There's a chance. We chance it might be guarded. Uh, after all, I was done in with ill intent, so you know, be conscious of that. And we really don't want to just go in guns blazing, because uh, you guys getting branded criminals in Taliesin would be a very, very bad thing. Taliesin's police force, well, they don't really have a police force so much, they say, as like a, like a, like a cadre of quote-unquote superhero. It's a weird, it's a weird deal. Um, uh, but anyway, then uh, we'll kind of go from there. So uh, if nobody has any objections or, or any other uh, side quests, then we'll, just, we'll get rolling with that. Yes. Okay, great. Bring the action. Oh, no, what? Let's go. Okay, cool. So you guys drive back, park the Winter Major, because remember, a winding way runs up to the edge of this massive clearing where you originally saw Galatea uh, do their stage act. And then the winding way almost does this weird perimeter where it follows the vegetation line, almost like the winding way is kept away from Taliesin by some force before continuing on. So you guys are able to take a winding way down, pull off into some forest, park the Winamajo, activate the stealth mode, which turns it invisible. Ogna goes, now see that one? I probably should have told you about that one. That would have come particularly in handy. Uh, my bad, gentlemen. My bad. Um, just, uh, you know, that magical reactor in the back could have done a lot of really bad things if, if given, um, uh, given the opportunity. So, um, How does he activate that stealth mode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two buttons on the remote. You guys never pushed the other one, no? Is it just like a button? It's just boop, boop. And then there we go. So you guys make your way down through the clearing. Well, gates are open. You guys make it through the gates, no problem. Make your way uh, over to Ogdom's lab. What's the approach on Og- Ogdom's lab? You guys are strolling down the avenue. Uh, if you think of the layout of the city, there is the you know the primary roads that run along the cardinal compass points with the religious district somewhat in the center, the martial districts in the south, magical districts in the north. Ogdom is at the border between the martial and the magical up against the shadow of the wall, kind of in a area that would be a lower rent industrial area, you know, because he was, has always been kind of seen as a kook. So it's kind of tucked back in that way. So you've got the ability to approach a couple of different ways. Frontal assault, guys. Frontal assault. Mm, I mean, I guess. <laughs> act like, act like nothing's wrong. We can't just, gotta, gotta just go in there. Mm. No, no. We we've been seen going in that place before, haven't we? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Todd. I just I I can't imagine things going well with us assaulting anything within Taliesin. Um, the mission is because he was murdered, right? So well, I'm just saying, you don't want to look like you're robbing the place. Look like we've been there before. Like we don't know anything's wrong with our that that might be true. But he did warn that it could be being watched and we could be entering directly into harm. Perhaps, perhaps just this once, just 
let's let's just this once tread with caution. Well, we could, you could definitely tread with caution, but I, you don't want to look suspicious. Uh, we shouldn't even know Ogden's dead. We could just be going to visit him. Act like nothing's going wrong. You guys are pulling the walk into a, someplace in coveralls with a ladder and nobody will question you. Probably, what is the- We just wear some fake mustaches. <laughs> We're just going on and knocking on the door looking for Ognum. We don't know nothing's wrong. How familiar? I mean, this is his lab where Mori came from, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where you've spent the um, last couple years, question mark. Time's really fluid in the podcast. Uh. And in Mori's head, she's a ooze. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's where you've spent all of your known existence. So, unless someone stops them, Mori's fully just skipping on towards, like, like they're coming home from a day at the market. <laughs> Are you guys, you guys all just rolling up with Mori? What, or, uh, what, what's everybody doing? Yeah, I'll, uh, Bob will walk behind Mori. I mean, she's got Ognum with her, so it's his house. Yeah, well, yeah, but I, I'm also uh, hiding in her body, <laughs> Baba, so um, I'm not, like, constantly floating out. In fact, like, when it is narratively convenient for me to get tired and need to rest my psyche, <laughs> I, I kind of just dissolve into Mori, and I'm not available until it's the next cutscene. So, oh, sorry, hold on, yawn, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Agnum, I'm just going to type in the entrance code if if you don't say it, if, if everything's cool. Yes, it's cool. You know, you know the code. All right. All right. So just, good luck, y'all. I'll I'll see you when you get inside. inside. <laughs> don't need to do this, but I still think it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. All right. So. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, I'll walk in. No one wants to wear fake mustaches? No? I'm not sure it'll. I'm not sure it'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> While everybody else is strutting, fate is like completely in the back, doing like the unnecessary sneaking, like the unnecessarily obvious sneaking, like Kronk in the Emperor's New Groove, like ducking behind trash cans and shit. The, the Scooby Doo sneak. <laughs> yeah. G- give me a stealth roll, fate. Twenty one. Let's go. You're trying to do that sneak, but you're sneaking better than Todd ever has. Todd sneaks. Todd is stealth me, Todd. My ninja roll is actually ninjaing it behind shit and like nobody notices. You don't have a chain wallet to weigh you down and or or a bunch of coins in your pocket anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are able to make your way through the city w- without a- any difficulty. And again, Maury, this is Talia, so nobody has really ever questioned a sentient ooze walking around, although certainly you again are the only one that you've seen the last time at least well agnum would take me out and i had like a a hat yeah yeah that's in the lab that's in the lab okay okay so Mario splewed out a mustache <laughs> so it sounded like it sounded like a good thing to do yeah it sounded like a good idea uh roll for mustache give me just a quick d20 roll we'll see <laughs> we'll see what that stash looks like what kind of stash you're working with all right let's see let's see Ooh, Selick. Selick. Roll for stash. That's an 11. Oh, that's a Raleigh Fingers. Sock over sock. on. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, I'm thinking an 11. John, John Waters. Waters. Ooh. John Waters is exactly where I was going with that. Thank you. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> 11 is a John Waters stash. Far below has got to be the, the, the Hitler stash. Oh, <laughs> no. no. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Natty 1 is a Hitler stash. Nat 20. Uh, what's the cowboy guy name? Oh, 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 um, uh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Oh, <laughs> Sam Elliott. Yes, that's a classic stash. Sam Elliott. Yeah, that twenty is a Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. Selick is an eighteen or a nineteen. Okay, all right. Yep, that is your mustache spectrum. Mm. One Hitler, ten Waters, 
20 Sam Elliott. To Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you somehow get taller uh, and and confident that no, nobody's going to think this is bad. <laughs> so you guys roll up and again, Ogdom's uh, lab was this big towering warehouse behind this extremely quaint and cozy looking cabin. You guys round the, the, the corner to where you would be able to get a clear look at it. And you can definitely see right away, somebody has placed out these eight foot tall vertical posts that are about six feet apart. There is this yellow tape running between each one that forms a perimeter from the wall out basically along the property line so that the entire lot and the little yard in front of the cottage, as well as the entire uh, Winnemajo and garage exit and everything, have this these eight-foot-tall poles uh, with this yellow banner running at three levels across it, at the top, in the middle, at the bottom. Give me perception checks real quick. Todd perceives an 18. Uh, I get a 19. 17. Mm-mm. 22. Oh, what? I ate. <laughs> Maury, you are just so happy to be home and so happy to see the place again that it is exciting for you and uh, you just start just walking towards it. The rest of you guys don't know how she doesn't see the paladins of Trithurion standing out in front of the place. <laughs> or maybe she doesn't recognize that they're paladins of Trithurion. But there are four fully armored the Trithurion Paladin's armor is full plate, is very much linked together in a way that when you first see it, you question whether or not anybody's in it. But then there's this sense of presence to where, you know, these things are almost like the animated armor that you guys fought at one point. It looks completely seamless. The helmets are extremely tight and you know, have thin eye slits. You, you never see any flesh or anything that looks like a person inside them, or there's no hint of humanity or elf humanity or whatever. There's four of those guys out front, one with a giant club, one with a giant sword, one with a giant axe, one with a big-ass bow. Look a little bit familiar to you? Golden censers hanging from their belt on a long chain. One of them actually is holding the ball, and it's floating as his head, and it's spinning around, and he seems to be conversing with it for almost a second before he lets go, and it drops down on the chain next to his side. They take positions at the four corners of the lot and uh, resume their watch, standing one side of the property runs up against the, the, the curve of the wall. So you have one standing right next to the wall, one a little bit further out at the corner of the property line, uh, facing you all currently. The other two walked around to the back of the property and are facing outward, one up against the wall and one on the back out of there. Maury is headed to them, uh, oblivious of the threat they represent. What are the rest of y'all doing? And try and stop her, grab her. Get back here. Get, get. No. Oh. Bad. Very bad. Very bad. Stop. <laughs> oh. Okay. And uh, Maury turns around. I mean, the number of people she knows has just doubled in a few hours. So she's she's trying to like these friends. <laughs> and, like, okay. Yeah, Ognum has briefed you that these guys are useful. And you have, you know, when you were in the tank in Ognum's lab, you have seen these guys before. Mm -hmm. You know, they are uh, like think of them as like the relatives of some neighbors that you're friends with. They, you know, they they come by every every major holiday. Mm -hmm. So they're people that you would be familiar with because they popped up periodically. You've gotten so tall. Yeah, exactly. Look at you. <laughs> 
Did you change something about your goatee change there, Bob? You didn't have a goatee before. Now you have a silver one. <sighs> so there is kind of a, a level of familiarity that would encourage you to listen to him. And there is that faint whisper of Ognum in the back of your head. Going, go, go, yeah, listen, listen, the bad. Oh, bad, I'm, about, oh I'm about back to sleep, 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 sleep. All right. <laughs> so you guys are crouched around the corner, peeking around the corner. What what you doing? For context, Tori, you know that even though it being an ethereal plane, any one of the doors, whether it's the cabin door, the primary front door of the warehouse, or the garage entrance for the Winnemejo, and whisper the secret password, the building will go out of security mode and you'll be able to enter it. Okay. There's two codes. One totally takes it out of security mode. The, the other one lets you go into it while it's still in security mode, which would allow y'all to just sneak past and get in the lab and be safe. If you can get past and whisper the code in, you guys can go in and be safe inside the lab mm. and have it still be in the ethereal plane. Um, I just, I just wondering if the, either of the two of you know, seeing as how you tend to be more uh, knowledgeable in the, um, in the, in the attacks of uh, urban encounters and uh, law enforcement, um, mm -hmm. how, how dire are the consequences of us fighting uh, Paladins of Tritherion inside of Taliesin? Um, I wouldn't do it. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's gonna work out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Just, uh, just thought I'd make sure we were all on the same, yeah. all on the same page with that. I've never ran from a fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am. Uh, but I don't usually like to start them either. I, <laughs> I agree. I just wanted to make sure that we were going to try and avoid this particular fight in this particular circumstance. This just doesn't seem like it's going to go well for us. Um, so how do we get from here to there? With, while missing them. Any any ideas? Thoughts? If we pick an entrance, would all four of them be able to... Can we, like, approach somehow that we're only having to deal with... Any trap doors? Any any secret passages ways we need to look for? It's in the ethereal plane. It can... It can... Can, uh... Wait. Can Eldrin go to the ethereal plane? Is it there? Is it the same ethereal plane? Is it a different one? It's the same ethereal plane. I've got... I, I have an idea. Okay. It might require someone um, either A, having unnecessary amounts of confidence in their own abilities, or B, extreme trust in my plan. So, Todd, Baba, exactly how fast do you think you are? Uh, listen. Oh, uh, not quite as fast as I used to be. Lost a step. <laughs> <laughs> I could still sprint pretty, pretty quickly, but the armor kind of holds me down. Why doesn't Eldrin go to the ethereal plane with the person who knows the password? I can't take anyone with me. You can't take anyone with you? Not one person? I can go there myself. I could tell you the password. You could tell me the password. Ooh, I tell you, give me a religion check, Maury. No. Okay. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nat one, which makes it a five. You vaguely remember something about these knights, but you can't remember whether they can see everything or they have a very limited field of vision. You know it's one or the other, <laughs> but you can't remember which one it is. <laughs> Guys, this is going to be really easy or really hard, if that helps with any planning. <laughs> There are a number of, of smaller warehouses and workshops and buildings across the street of Ognum's Warehouse. Ognum's Warehouse is a good, we're going to say on the outside, uh, 60 feet to the roof. 
but on the inside, much bigger. The cottage right next to it has a, a pretty pretty standard two-story gabled roof. The wall uh, is the wall that Fate climbed up on back in the day. I think we said that was 100 feet-ish, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then they are standing at the corners, kind of looking outward, and completely immobile. It's not like they're turning their heads or patrolling. They They almost seem to take on the appearance of statues as they are standing there. So that's the general layout. Can we try to lure them away? That's what I'm saying. Just good old-fashioned distraction? Yeah. So that's the uh, 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 thaumaturgy. <laughs> I said it right. Did I say it right? I think that's the closest he's ever gotten. You did. Is that how you cast it? You just say thaumaturgy? And it- I'm just saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. You can create an instantaneous sound that originates from a point of your choice within range, such as a rumble or a thunder or a cry or a raven or an ominous whisper. Can I like throw? So it's like throw my voice in the area, like look over here. And that's how the spell works. That's literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll cast mine illusion and make a five foot tall ognum around that sound. Okay. And make him like jumping around. So you guys gotta look and see how far apart you guys can be currently. It's 250 feet, isn't it? Or something like that. My sheet still says 500. So G- g- gentlemen and 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 friend, um, let me let me um let me let me finish telling you about the idea I had. So growing up, I had this uh this friend uh Benny, right, who uh used to live. And, um, just a little, a little bit further from where I stayed, and there was this hill we used to play on, and we'd play this wonderful game where we'd uh, chase each other around. And so I was thinking, um, maybe if I were to um, help either Baba or Todd with their speed, that they could like draw the attention of the guards while then also eluding them long enough for the rest of us to be able to sneak into the the warehouse, and then. With the extra provided speed, then be able to run away to safety. I feel like that would only work if you had a very specific uh, song playing over that. Um, <laughs> I feel like you're using one of us as a decoy. How about you do that? I believe because one of us is faster than he is. Right. Even with, but we don't know how fast they are. Which is why he picked the f- the fast one. Which is again my first question. <laughs> I have no clue how fast they are. I feel like we're getting away from the perfectly good idea of. <laughs> Thaumaturgy. <laughs> yes, yes. I we were we had a plan with minor illusion. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> to be fair, he started his suggestion first. So back in Telius, it's time to come up with plans and immediately abandon them. <laughs> you on the table right now is a hologram Ognum with a sound effect. So Mori would create a hologram of Ognum and Todd would give me the exact language of, of Thaumaturgy. This is a bunch. It says, my voice booms up to three times as loud and normal for one minute. That's not going to work. I don't want that. You cause flames to flicker, brighten, dim, or change color for a minute. You cause harmless tremors in the ground for one minute. This is the one. You create an instantaneous sound that originates from a point of your choice within range. Okay. So instantaneous sound is not speech. But it says, or ominous whispers. Okay. That's so ominous whispers. Like, how you doing over here? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are creating a hologram of Ognum and then having to go. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make sure I understand that's the plan. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I was expecting that swing to be checked. <laughs> but no, you were going over the fucking fences. Okay. So it. But it's not near us. It's 30 feet away. Okay. 
so from you, where you're at to the door right now is 50 feet, right? It's a 50 feet shot from the alley that you're crouched down in to the double front doors. And the guys are facing outward. So let's, let's call the southwest corner is guy number one. Southeast corner is guy number two. Northeast corner is guy number three. Northwest corner is, is guy number four. What's the thought on where you're going to drop it? And really quick, give me the text of Minor Illusion. You create a sound or an image of an object within range that lasts for the duration. So he's not moving. He's just, he's like a stand, like a photo of him. Okay. So you guys are going to create a holographic uh, standee of Ognum. It's a cardboard cutout. (laughs) (laughs) A standee of Ognum waving. It goes, Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's it's five feet tall. It's in a five foot cube. Make it. I'm having second thoughts about this. Idea. They eat, <laughs> they they eat, they either move or they don't move. It's just that we, it's that simple, right? There are many other options. This isn't like a binary situation for the record. Like, There's a spectrum of fuck up that can happen here. If it doesn't work, they don't know we, we what we did, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> we what they know. I am not going to comment on any of this other than then you guys could drop it by guy number two, roughly by where where you're hiding, if that's the case. All right, all right. There's options. We have options. We have. Jamie going into the, the, the realm with the password. Does that only get him in? Or he puts it in security mode? Yeah. If I if I put the password in, it doesn't do anything for the rest of you guys. It just opens the door, does it not? Is that <laughs> he said we could put it in security mode. We all need to get there. Right. Yeah. Did we just have a discussion about teleportation? You did. Well, so once the door opens up. Are we good? Like we just have to get in, and I have the. I could give everybody the password. Yep. Can Todd miss you step more than once a day? Nope. <laughs> but it's been longer than a day, right? Yeah. You guys are all fully, fully rested. All your abilities are back. Everybody's back up to uh, long rested. Oh, let's do some shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> Should have made you guys do some long rest shenanigans on the road, but uh, we uh, were already running longer than I expected. So. <laughs> Yes, it's tradition. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you guys are are crouched in the alleyway. You can standy. We could do that and then teleport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not mutually exclusive plans for the regular. You guys. Yes. Oh yes. That, that's going to be where my run comes in. <laughs> what I need you guys to do is to come up with what the strategy is and give me the final answer nod, and then we'll play this out. So I'm letting you guys know, plan A, I'm going to use my thaumaturgy with... <laughs> with <laughs> First of all, I don't think anything, Todd, ever starts with plan A. I think it's always plan T. <laughs> plan T, <laughs> then plan U. <laughs> <laughs> yes, plan T, plan O, plan double D. That is how Todd numbers his plans. But that's it. First one, we're going to try that if it doesn't work we all get to the door however way we get to the oh, door wow. <laughs> every every man for themselves oh so so it's just everyone for themselves <laughs> <laughs> if plan two doesn't work it's every man and goo for themselves it's the fuzz <laughs> Wait, if if I was to summon a bunch of plant birds uh, and try to lure them away, 
Wait, wait, wait. Sure. Okay. Okay. That's concentration, right? But again, I don't need it for anything else. What if I turned one of them into a chicken? Wow, that uh, that would also be a very interesting option. That seems this seems very uh, aggressive. That's risky. Yes, I mean this is very aggressive. What part of the fucking previous plans that you mentioned seem conservative? <laughs> um. Squeak the thing. Hello. Well, I, listen, I think turn it possibly turn it into a chicken. Then all his friends are like, "What's going on over there?" Um. Hello. And then we go to the opposite end from all those guys as they figure out why is he a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> What's the range on the chicken spell? <laughs> <laughs> long enough. Fucking long enough. Okay. Um. I don't hate the chicken idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, I can I can make someone here. What if they have some anti magic barrier that just detects like, hey, is someone trying to hit us with a chicken spell? Never know if you try. It. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, and then and then plan O. Plan O shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every man for himself again, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still pretty sure that I can make Baba like incomprehensibly fast. Wait, first thing, please just tell me the password, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the password? We let's all get that out of the way. Like what is the password? Yeah, I don't I don't want to get to the door going, oh I forgot. Oh no. <laughs> I was waiting for the everyone for your own self. <laughs> don't have the password. I was so hoping for that. <laughs> Damn it. Um, the the password for where it opens. Actually, I'm not going to give you guys the password that opens up everything. <laughs> Just the one that makes it to where you can go in the door and sit. Because I don't want it to accidentally happen. And then all of a sudden, everybody comes inside. Um, so that, that password is Pepper. Pepper? Pepper? Mm-hmm. Pepper. That seems very simple. Okay, where where are we at? What's what's the final answer? Again, I just want to point out, I'm, I'm I am pretty sure I can make one of you. I say, distraction city. As as many distractions as we can to multiple sides. Maybe Jamie, the guy on the left, you can do your burger, and then the guy on the right, we can then do- minor illusion a chicken. Also, just chicken theme. <laughs> that also turned that guy into a chicken. Completely and totally incomprehensibly fast. I'm just nobody. Nobody. Nobody hears. Can I? Can I? Can I make my plant birds chickens as well? Chicken. Chicken plants. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right. We're just gonna. Why would I say no to that? Why would I say no? <laughs> <laughs> there is no planet or version of me that doesn't go fuck yeah. You can make a bunch of fucking topiary chickens. <laughs> all right, so on the deck right now is because I will let all this fucking shit happen. You guys are gonna minor illusion a standee, then have it go <laughs> while trying to turn one of them into a chicken and swarming another one with a flock of topiary birds. Yes. Is, Anything else that we're doing? Does anybody have anything else weird that they want to do in in this moment? No, I think all, all we, we've done all the weird. <laughs> <laughs> all the weird is just happening right now. I, I, fate, fate is put out because he's been ignored. Now he just didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> fate can polymorph himself into a chicken and just walk right by, just like he's one of the chickens. It's, <laughs> no charm, charm person, no charm person. I mean, you know, I was offering up superhuman speed, but nobody wanted to have any parts of that, so. Oh. 
<laughs> why why would you do that? Fuck that, man. Chicken Army is way more our brand. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the Legend of Zelda when you pick up the chicken. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly what has been in my head this entire time. And I will even say there's a chicken coop out behind the cottage. I will even give you that much. We should direct them all to the chicken coop. I want to move up. So number one is Southwest. Number two, Southeast. Number three, Northeast. Number four, Northwest. Who are we doing to what to where? And we just got to get to the front doors. Front or side. Mm -hmm. Or side. The guy on the the right, what did you you say? Southeast? Number two? Yeah, number two. Number two. The deuce. I wanted to thaumaturgy him. So number two is what we're going to do the standee. So where are we? Directly across from the double doors. Okay. In an alleyway facing the south side of the building. And for the record, Maury, you know Ogden's neighbors, not going to even question what the fuck is going on. They have seen far weirder shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> are up from this warehouse. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, he's back, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like living next to the Adams family. Weird for even Taliesin's there. So the deuce is getting the whispering standy. Uh, who's getting turned into a chicken? I'll see the one. All right, so numero uno is getting the chicken. And then where are you summoning your plants, Eldrin? Do you think the topiary chickens should be around the real summoned chicken to like make it look like a just one full flock of chickens, guys? Is that, does that make sense? <laughs> or should I put them near number two for additional support? Number two, additional support for number two, because number one is being turned into a chicken. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll do that. We'll put the chickens over by the... <laughs> <laughs> by the church. So they turn out a wave and are looking like, what is going on over there? Yeah, and we just run <laughs> straight for the doors. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sincerely hoping you were going to do number one with the flock of chickens, which would have made <laughs> number two turn to face number one. No matter. I was like, that would have been perfect. But nope, you figured it out. You, you broke my Metal Gear Solid puzzle. <laughs> I was like, are those the Cohen's vision? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to happen simultaneously, but for shits and giggles, we're going to go ahead and roll the saving throw for numero uno first. Well, actually, before that, marching order. Is it every man for himself? Are you guys going out in a specific order? What's the- Who's the slowest? Listen, if plan A doesn't work, I'm getting as fast away oh, yeah. to, the, to the door now that I know that Pepper is the code. And I can get there in, in, a, in a dash. Really, <laughs> Some people are using actions, including Mr. Thaumaturgy. So, well, you can dash. <laughs> what is everybody's speed going to be then? Uh, mine is 40. 30. Mine is 45, but I'm dashing. Yeah. But I get the whole, get it, get there. Mine is 30 as well, but I can dash as a bonus. And then fate? Uh, 30. 30. Okay. So it would be Todd, Baba, Eldrin, Fate, and Mori. Okay, cool. I don't have this uh, summon animal spell on my sheet yet. Is it a bonus action or an action? It is a action, action, action. Okay. So if I needed to use my etherealness, <laughs> technically I can do it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to roll this real quick. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. Hey, everybody, quick announcements this week because an edit ran a little bit long. Check us out Mondays, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time now on Twitch to catch our live stream. It's a variety show that doesn't do actual play, but does cover a number of other topics that range from a deeper dive on Juneteenth, Fantasy Dad NPCs, and so much more. Twitch.tv slash GMDLcast, Monday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
If you want to get to know the cast a little bit better and the wonderful community that's built up around our show, click on that Discord link in the show notes below and hop into the Discord. We've opened it up to everybody and would love to have you in there. And while you're clicking on links, why don't you head over to some social media or whatever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment and give us a follow and or rate, review, and subscribe. Tell the computers we're important. Please. It's all I wanted for Father's Day, and I don't think you really got me anything. I mean, you made that card, but you didn't even color inside the lines. So uh, on that uncomfortable note, let's go back to the show. Natty one. He's he's definitely a chicken. <laughs> Natty one. He's four chickens. <laughs> the the dice tell their tale, my friend. This, this chicken mob was the way that they fucking wanted it to happen. So, <laughs> Maury, you step forward, pseudopods extended, rubber chicken crash between them and give them a little <laughs> squeak. <laughs> and there's this puff of feathers and smoke and this hulking armored brute of a paladin just poofs into a very confused armored chicken. We've already established polymorph people still have like little cute animal versions of their clothes on. (laughs) 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 Like very confused. And right at that moment, a standy of a a micro standy of Ognum pops up in front of the other guy going, (laughs) (laughs) it's got a chicken body and Ognum said, <laughs> and the grass around the other guy begins to sprout up in super speed, like a time lapse of a yard growing and curling and nodding itself into the shape of fucking chickens. <laughs> and uh, like that, based off of the hit die, that's a shitload of fucking uh, grass chickens that erupt around and begin swarming around him, making this weird clucking. You'll dash forward to it. Todd, you're the first one there. You whisper the password. Pepper. Pepper. The doors swing open and inside you can see while the outside of the factory was shimmering and translucent and you could kind of see through it like a bad 90s special effect on a syndicated TV show. Uh, It's solid and real as it's ever been inside. You step inside. Everybody else comes clambering after you. The doors swing shut and you are all now safely standing in the safety zone within Ognum's lab. Is there a window to look outside at the the chicken mania? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can walk over to uh, one of the the big plate windows um, that only you can't see in, but you can see out. Ognum adores his privacy. Oh, no, two-way mirrors. (laughs) Beautiful viewing window. You can't see into Ognum's lab, but you can definitely see out. And uh, you can see the one thing just clicking, like all confused and weird. The other one trying to stamp down on the grass chickens uh, somewhat feebly because other ones keep uh, popping up. (laughs) The two on the north side of the building just lean around, look at the corner, (laughs) shake their heads and lean back. They got caught with the chicken move again. (laughs) 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 They've been instructed not to leave their post and they follow orders, damn it. (laughs) After the requisite amount of time. The one guy poofs back into paladin form, stands there confused for a second, and then re- <laughs> like reverts to his guard stance. The other one finally having uh, stamped out all of the grass chickens has just got these mangled like lumps, like like you've waited too long to mow your yard, and then you finally mowed it, and there's just all that lumps of, of cut grass. Uh, it looks like an over-mowed lawn in front of him with these lumps of wet cut grass oh. piled around him where he stomped out the grass chickens and also then resumes his pose. Ognim uh, bubbles his head back up and, uh, well, you know, that, that was a plan. Very, very good. <laughs> it, it worked, I guess. All right. So, um, real quick, 
Maury, if you could just head over to the uh, the biological tables, uh, we will uh, just run uh, some quick locator spells, and we will uh, we will see where uh, where my body is at, and I'll be back in it before you even could guess. All right, Maury walks over. Is looking for for that fancy hat. You find your day gear and next to your um your tank, good old home sweet tank. <laughs> what does Maury's hat of disguise look like? Um, hmm. what are the the aesthetic vibes of this of this city? It's a Kango. <laughs> like Taliesin is so the city is divided into martial, magical, and and religious districts, and each one of them has a broad array of architecture and functionality based around the individual needs of that. So Taliesin, there is a massive dungeon underneath the city that, that goes so deep it eventually brushes up against the edge of reality. And it originally started as a camp where adventurers would come and hang out and go explore the dungeon, and eventually a small town popped up to service the people that went down into the dungeon. That small town grew into a larger city. And over time, it you know really started to establish itself as a place where adventurers could come and relax and, and hang out mm. and, and hang out with others of their kind. After the Treaty of Nations was signed and military organizations in between all the countries really ceased, there was a surplus of really crazily trained and highly powered magical individuals that just tend to get into trouble if left alone in your city. So there were a lot of heavy suggestions for, for adventurers, for heroes to move out to this place to be kind of amongst their own kind. And you know what? They, they really took to the idea. And so it's a large city in a flat circular plain with a hundred foot wall that has these metal and crystal and substance that nobody could ever potentially identify, runes carved into the walls to protect from the occasional kaiju attack that encircles the city, four major thoroughfares running uh, at the uh, cardinal points of the compass, the central hub being kind of where the bureaucracy is. Uh, and, and when I say the uh, kind of a martial and magical district, like at the center of the magical district is where the mage towers are and the mages guild is. And then as that gets closer to the martial district, that's where it transitions into artificers. Mm-hmm. And then artificers transition into the CrossFit gyms and fighting pits for the warriors over to the, the martial adept training areas over to the rogue bar district, kind of the red light district where the rogues tend to, to cultivate and hang out. Sure picks Todd's Tavern. And then back around to the religious district, but incredibly magically populated, incredibly wildly diverse, mm-hmm. more so than even other portions of Narmir. I mean, like it's it's normal to see hobgoblins and dwarves and kinku and Erkokra and uh, like everything mm-hmm. in the other cities, but it goes a, a step further in Taliesin. Flying carpets zoom through the wizard towers. There's a few metal and glass skyscrapers that represent people that have become fabulously wealthy and built up corporate interests around them, like Emil, the guy who makes most of the scooters and speaking stones throughout the country, Ognum's ex-boyfriend, who is you know directly responsible for the situation that you guys are in. The ramshackle maker fair of the artificers and smiths where Todd got the Todd cycle worked on, the floating casino and recreation district that floats around the city above it on like this meteor-esque spinning hunk of land. And occasionally you'll see a griffin or a pegasus or just somebody just randomly flying. You do occasionally see a jetpack float up to there. So bonkers, mega magical, mega steampunky mm-hmm. uh, city mishmashed together, where if you had 
a place where all the fantasy adventurers congregated together or were, were told to go, hey, go live here because dragons show up where you are, the kind of city that would grow up around that. Mm. While the individual districts may have a theme to them, like there may be a block where a fighter's guild that has worked up that the, you know, the families of the fighters and those adventurers have grown and, and it'll be like a small pub and a bakery. Like, so there, there may be a running theme for that particular block, but from one section to the next, it, it varies as, as wildly as you can imagine. Ognum is clustered back in a somewhat plain area of it because as you get closer to the wall, at some point it begins to shade out the sun for a portion of the day. So the fringes of Taliesin seem to get pushed around the portions of the wall. There's no real seedy part to it, although there are some certainly spooky portions of the sewer, like the boneyard where the bone collectors live, <laughs> the bone thugs, <laughs> is up against the wall, very similar to Ognum's lab. I, I thought they were near the crossroad. They are. Mm. They are. Yeah. They it's are. a cowboy hat, by the way. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay, cool. That fits right. There are there are gunslingers in this world. Mm -hmm. You guys haven't met them yet. Possibly in someone's arc. There, there will be a Western theme in the future. So yeah, you guys see Maury plop a cowboy hat onto her head. Straw or felt? Mm. Oh, it's like a like a like expensive, expensive looking one. Sturdy. Yeah. It's black, actually. It's, it's very kind of Westworld classy villain. <laughs> Todd, you immediately feel hat envy. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Maury puts this real cool hat on, what do, what do you change your appearance to look like? Um, I think that Maury, the most impressive person she's met so far has been Baba. So I think just a 5'4 Baba. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. A 5-4 version of exactly Baba turns around, still wearing the cowboy hat. The cowboy hat always is there in whatever version. Mm -hmm. A five-foot-tall cowboy-hatted version of Baba spins around and does a little ta-da motion. You hear Echo, hey, Todd, Todd, is, that's pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. She should have, she could have looked like me. Could have looked like me. Mm -mm. Not cool. But no, but my point is, uh, you, you know how I can change my shape into any sort you want? Yeah, just that, that's like getting bigger and smaller, like, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no, yeah, well, you know, well, any shape. It's more than just getting bigger or smaller, but uh, that's, thanks, Todd. Thanks for minimizing my magical ability. Here. Oh, man, I thought. <laughs> there's one last thing I could do. There's one last, I, I, I admit, I've been kind of holding out a little bit. There's one last magic power that I have. I can see you're a little bit jealous of the hat. Uh, grab, grab a hold of my hilt while I'm sheathed. Okay. Now imagine you look different. Okay. You've got to be thinking about Baba. There's two of them in front of you. <laughs> yeah, give me a wisdom saving throw, Todd. <laughs> oh, no. It's <laughs> never going to be good. Just popped right in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Taking a nine is not good. <laughs> oh. You turn into a five foot eight version of Baba. <laughs> Echo's last ability, Echo was originally patterned off of a sword called Equilar from an old Dragon Magazine article. It was the Sword of the Skies originally, and one of its functions is when sheathed, when you're holding it, you can use it as a hat of disguise. Never in combat or anything like that, so it is somewhat a limited function. You will always be seen as somebody bob doling with your hand on your, your sword. <laughs> always 5'8". Fi always I don't grow in height. <laughs> always 5'8". You cannot change your height. No. Okay. <laughs> you cannot change your height. So, in that moment, you look like a 5'8", Baba. So... <laughs> 
Eldrin and Fate, you are standing there now with a small, medium, and large bob. (laughs) (laughs) Bite size, fun size, and full size. Yeah. Eldrin, I'm... I'm uncomfortable. Bro for weird boner. (laughs) 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 All right. So, Ognum extends some pseudopods out, Maury, and you see him grab a couple of beakers, rake them in, mix together a a dash from this one vial and a pinch from this other vial and a splash from this other vial to create this thick crimson liquid that he swirls and swirls and swirls around until it begins to fizzle and pop, at which point... He dumps it out onto the table in front of you, and it swirls around and begins to create the shape of a pattern. It forms this tower, and it's very clear, and the water even spirals up and actually off the table into a 3D shape of a tower raising out in the center of a hill. And then the fluid begins to spread out and to create the outlines of other, other really strange, like a weird pumpkin patch village and a block of thorns and... It's weird floating eyeball, and it doesn't take long for you to realize it's creating a 3D visual map of the fields of madness. And you hear Ognum go, oh, fuck, fucking balls, gentlemen. <laughs> fucking balls. Mm. It's in the tower at the center of the fields of madness. Oh, shit. Not that fucking place. Oh, my God. That looks fun. Oh, that place was great for me. Huh? You remember, Echo? Oh uh, yeah, Todd. Of course, I fucking remember. That's uh, that's where we met. It was good. It's a good place. Good times. Most exciting moment of both of our lives. Good times. Good times. It, it, fate blew himself up. <laughs> it was great. We we hid behind. I hid behind more. You weren't there for that, but I hid behind more twice. It was great. Yeah. No, I I could watch from the tower. Sure, that's cool. <laughs> um, dude, uh, Eldrin made a bush joke. Uh, it's great. It's good times. <laughs> Uh, then later, fate tried to climb that statue <laughs> it was- and totally fell on his ass. Oh, man. Those good, good days. Good days. Shit, this may actually be worse than even that. Somebody real quick make up a fantasy calendar and ask what date it is? <laughs> no. So, hmm. Hold on. And he consults a calendar, which weirdly fucking in this fantasy world, Gregorian calendar. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's really strange. That's uh, the magic of the multiverse, people. Sometimes some shit's just the same. He goes, okay, well, um, hmm, all right, well, I've got some good news and bad news. What do you, which do you all want first? Mm. Bad news first. Always bad news first. Yeah, bad first, I guess. What is the bad news? We're going to have to participate in a road race into and through the Fields of Madness. It's closed off currently. Because the evaluative derby takes place uh, there every year, and um, right now they will have sectioned it off and uh, are be restricting access except to participants in the derby. And I don't, I don't know anybody who currently is entered in the derby or who has access to a battle wagon. And without that, who knows how long before we'll be able to get in there? I don't know how long I can last in this form. This is that's really a, a tough situation. Did you say a battle wagon? Can can we hitch a wagon to the, the Todd mobile? The Todd ride? You could, but it's not just a matter of like attaching it. The evaluative derby is really kind of a special thing. So it is part of a cross-disciplinary engineering examination by civil, mechanical, and magical engineers of how terrain, physical forces, and magical manipulation shape the scientific concepts of force and velocity and friction 
they do it because they really want to challenge mainstream and alternative views on engineering, including conservative, liberal, and progressive theorems. You know, they, the, and just so we're clear, the word evaluative uh, is an academic reference. It's not about grading anybody or rating the performance of the racers. Wait, what? There's a lot of words in there. Yes. Uh, well, Morris fully sat down and was like flipping through a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's just speaking. So th- you're saying that the, the race itself has no actual value? No, 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 no. It's incredibly valuable. The evaluative derby is used by the Imagineering community mm-hmm. to examine social, political, and rule structures about manifold power distribution through the lens of really focusing on the concept of species variable building patterns and how different species experience assumptions about how they build things. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, I mean, what have been the most recent findings from this race? Uh, well, for example, the ED conceptual framework, like I said, examines that species assumptions in rules, councils, and scholarly institutions. Right. One of the things they discovered most recently is the highly disparate rates of insurance costs among racing groups in Normir, uh, certain uh, racing groups in Normir, like goblins. Like, uh, there's like an institutional trend to more frequently charge goblins higher rates based on the assumptions that their vehicles will explode. Well, that's an interesting theory. So you're telling me that because goblins are goblins, that they're charged more on insurance, but then if they're charged more on insurance simply for being goblins, when they then you know do need to use that insurance, wouldn't it cause their premiums to skyrocket that much more? It kind of seems like it would be a self-perpetuating cycle of cost for them. That's uh, kind of a critical flaw in that theory. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That, that's one of the things that they look at. I am kind of uncomfortable with this, but at the same time, this uh, could be interesting. But you said this is the best way for us to get into the fields of madness right now? Well, no, it's it's right now it's the only way for us to get into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we'll have to, uh, if that's our case, if that's the situation, we might have to find a way to get in here. And even maybe I can come up with a dissertation to challenge this critical race theory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it was a long way to go to get there. But that's that's part of what the ED is about. You know, another ED concept is intersectionality, which is, you know, how intersections are built. <laughs> really? Mm. Are there lots of intersections within this race? <laughs> well, there's, there's at least two, if you, uh, if you look at the course map. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing, gentlemen, is to remember, too, there's some bad actors who've sought to ban or restrict information learned from ED uh, to younglings and apprentices. They say uh, it's bad magic science and it will scare or confuse kids and make humans look like villains. But that's, that's fucking ridiculous. ED is an engineering and magical examination of the world around us. It's uh, applied in universities and trade schools. Nobody would ever teach it in elementary schools or middle schools to kids who still can't cast a cantrip. Those Hiko folks <laughs> that are all against it are just being ridiculous because they, the, the, they're boring racist humans. Sorry, got to, had to get that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. um, I got a whole like four, four more paragraphs where I took critical race theory and converted it into this fucking monologue <laughs> <laughs> about, about the evaluative derby. But it's just, it feels kind of it feels kind of a burden now. So we'll come we'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's bonus content. So do do we have to get your buddy during the race or? Well, right now, it's the only way that you can get in. And there's a certain amount of psychic energy that I'm consuming being in here. And yes, Moyle's shard was charged with it, but a good portion of it left when his spirit did. And I'm afraid that if we wait too long, I'm going to burn out. 
So time is kind of of the essence, or I could end up dead dead. And other than you fuckers, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> hmm. How are we to get in this race? Quick quick sidebar. Does anybody know an artificer yes. that they owe <laughs> a race participation in <laughs> for getting their motorcycle made? Maybe in an earlier season of the podcast? Uh, yes. Yes, we do. We? <laughs> I do. Oh, there we go. Mm. I do specifically. Specifically me. <laughs> um, quick, quick sidebar. Um, excuse me. And I, fate does exactly what, what, uh, Maury and Ognum are doing where they like pretend like they're whispering with no bacon here, but you can totally hear. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's talking to Eldrin, Todd, and Baba. Like, I, I know, I know he's been kind of helping us, but like, would we really be that crushed if Ognum just went ahead and went away all the way? I'm just just throwing it out there. Maybe it's just me. I don't like walking. Do you remember the giant silver thing? Yeah. <clears throat> the giant goo monster. The giant goo monster. You do have a point. Um, don't we kind of need him? That's that's next for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fuck. Okay, that's a solid point. That is a that is a solid point, Eldrin. I'm glad you brought that back to my attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we yeah, have we gotta we gotta try and find a way to get his body back. Not to mention, now that I remember it, there was that one staff in the fields that I really wanted to try and go back and get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. Glad you're on board. I'm not sure it mattered that he was on board or not, Baba. Okay. So, um, what's happening? I got. I know some. I know some people who I owe some favors to in a race that we could probably get in. Yeah, they were discussing the the value of of the life of um of a father of of three, um, and whether or not it was convenient for them to help out you. And they decided it was it was good. <laughs> so we're good. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I'm glad. They, I'm glad they came <gasps> to what passes for an empathic decision for these <laughs> these guys. This is uh, you know, look. The important thing. Is Todd waited until, you know, a good 30 minutes into the fucking conversation to mention that he had a solve for this problem? <laughs> so, I don't know if that was, like, dramatic or what he, the intent was, but mentioning, uh, so, who, who are these people you know, Todd? Uh, the people fixing my, uh, my, my Todd cycle. I know, but bonus points if you can actually remember an NPC's name. <laughs> I forget, you know I can't remember an NPC name, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I'm just fucking with you, I'm just fucking with you, it's totally cool. So you guys head over to the Artificers District. Todd, you have to put your hood up because you uh, don't have a good reputation in the area. Bam Bam Gillum? Is that what it is? Ham Jam Gillum. Ham Jam! That's goddamn right, motherfucker! <laughs> ham Jam. Ham, ham Jam. Did he, call, did he call her Ham Bam? <laughs> no, he called him Wham Bam. Wham Bam Gillum. Wham Bam. I call him Wham Bam. I call him Wham Bam. Wham Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Ham jam, Ognum is able to direct you to exactly five invisibility potions that you can down to use to exit the building without any uh, without any harm. Hmm. When we when he directs us towards invisibility invisibility potions, are there any healing potions on the shelf? Give me a just give me an investigation check. Oh, <laughs> that's a seven. <laughs> just found some hair tonic. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So this is what I'll say. There are four potions on the shelf that Mori is pretty sure are greater healing potions. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just going to slurp them up. Mm. Mm. Wait. I'll hand these out later. <laughs> no. She chips her cowboy hat. 
<laughs> you see, I see Maury take four bottles and drop them into herself. They're kind of <laughs> like like fucking fruit in a jello mold are suspended. <laughs> oh no! Lava lamp effect. All right, ready to go. Yeah. All right, all packed. That is incredibly weird when you do that, Maury. <laughs> I love you, but that's, please stop. Can you feel them? Can you feel them in there? It's going to give a shimmy. <laughs> it's very strange. It's very strange. Um, yuck. Uh, so uh, you guys head over to Ham Jam Gillum's, uh, Ham Jam Gillum's garage. As you get up, you hear a, a just a, a string of, God damn it, this fucking stupid son of a bitch, that fucking tiefling. Oh. It's supposed to show back up and drive a fucking motorcycle and use, we use it as an engine. And we're gonna, everything was going to be good. Everything was going to be great. Now he's fucking not showing up. Like, this is why I don't fucking do work goddamn on consignment ever. This bullshit. Oh, wait. That's right. Hold on. I've got... Yeah, to try to put a spell on him. He was, this is a fucking... He had an inch... Oh, I totally forgot for a second. Hold on. I'm going to go over and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking activate the curse that's fucking tied to the agreement. And that'll show that son of a bitch. Oh, oh, hey. Wham, bam. I'm here. <laughs> I'm saying, what was that? Ham Jam? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. My name is Ham Jam Gillum, motherfucker. Put some respect on it, goddammit. <laughs> Ooh, Gillum. Ooh, Gillum. <laughs> <laughs> my, my fault. Mr. Jam, is that is that better? Miss Jam, first of all, you son of a bitch. Miss, Miss, Miss. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Ham Jam is a no-nonsense. A no-nonsense. No-nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, no-nonsense three-foot-three. Mm. A no-nonsense three-foot-three. <laughs> Madam Ham? Madam Ham. Ma'am Ham? Ma'am Ham. Ma'am Ham Jan. <laughs> Ma'am Ham. Uh, she is a no-nonsense three-foot-three decked out in almost like a protective like vest and chap situation, like the thick leather of a forge's blacksmithing apron, but it's been cut to allow more freedom and movement around her workshop. So it's more like a vest and and chap situation. Oversized wrench in her hand that comes down to like a, a large monkey wrench grip. And then on the opposite side, it's got this glowing gem that sparkles and spins occasionally, crackling with an arcane energy. She's tapping that back against her shoulders. Goggles pushed up over her head. I mean, it's kind of like a weird monocle goggle situation. Like the left one is actually a full-on goggle lens and the, and the right one is more like just a regular glasses lens that you would flip up or flip down. So she can have them pulled down and it will have like this almost telescope looking effect on the left side. Almost like she's got a jeweler's loop attached to a monocle as a headband Hair up in a just a incredibly mechanically adept bun with nails and screws poking through it to hold it in place. Her assistant, Champagne Pank, a uncomfortably sensual six foot three elf, somewhat pale, wearing workman's pants and suspenders, no shirt, long silver hair draped over one side of his face, a little sweaty from carrying stuff around, is Ham Jam's assistant and boy toy. She really just keeps him around because he takes care of business. Champagne Pank? Sh- champagne pank, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, what's up, Ham Jam? Uh, let's go. Shut up, boy. Get in the corner. All right, guys. Whew, way to wait till the absolute last minute to show up, Tiefling. Where's the motorcycle? I thought, I thought, I thought you had it. <laughs> I no. Are you kidding right now? It's in the Winnebago. Was it in the back of the? Uh, was it in the back of the? In the, in the <laughs> 
Why the fuck did I literally hitch my wagon to this horse? Oh my god! Okay, we got it. We got. It. Don't worry about it. I see. I, I found it. It was hiding. You go get the bike. I will meet you at the starting line, which is outside the field. You know where the fields of madness are, right? I've been there, done that. Oh Jesus Christ! I I, I <laughs> fucking don't know why I like that, but I do. You got a real problem. All right. So here's the deal. Um, I will uh, hook up the battle wagon and she points over to, you saw her working on this originally. It is, imagine a Conestoga wagon, if you will, just for this moment. Mm -hmm. Got it. (laughs) Got it in head. Got it. Got it. I imagine I explained what a Conestoga wagon was earlier. Did you? Did you? I don't think you did. Maybe you should re-describe it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We'll we'll pull up Conestoga wagon again. So. That's what all the youths are driving around right now. <laughs> so it's a large wagon with two axles, no wheels on it currently. It's up on blocks. It is definitely long enough to seat the entire party, but it's not like a boxy wagon. Like you see a lot of farmers taking, I don't know what cabbages is our fucking point of reference for everything now, but it is cabbages to market in. It's got like a little bit of an upward curve, almost like a boat. You've seen them with covers before, but this one doesn't have a cover to it. It is open. Where more traditionally, you guys have seen carts made of um, of wood. This one is made of fabulous array of different alloys that have been riveted together in this shape that give it this incredibly durable, but also lightweight look to it at the same time. Okay, guys, here's the deal. So... You know, the evaluative derby is all about the way that the different species put stuff together and and examining how those things interact with each other. So it's always meant to be a collaborative effort. So I'm working up the final design specs for the wagon. I need to come up with a name for this beast. I've got an idea of one, but, you know, that's that's just my thing. Since y'all are going to be driving in it and riding in it, I'd give you the naming rights if you choose. Um, But we also need to figure out how we want to tweak it out. So the evaluative derby to kind of give everybody a baseline requires that there's a certain limited parameter to how much you can tweak and tune each individual aspect. So you can, you can tweak the overall speed of it. You can tweak how it handles. You can tweak how quickly it gets up to speed or what we like to call the impellability. You can tweak its traction and you can tweak its, uh, we call it special. It's like how, what likely you are to come up with a good magical boon when you hit through one of the prize boxes. Mm. All right. So for practical purposes, just to break this out, you guys will be designing the specs of the wagon that you're going to be using in the evaluative derby. Earlier in the discord, I posted kind of the framework for this. You've got five stats for the wagon, speed, handling, impellability, traction, and special or shits for short. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got the shits. Speed is the maximum movement rate. Uh, The baseline is zero. At zero, it'll have a movement rate of 100. And then it increases for every value that you place into that. One is 110, two is 125, three is 135, and a four is 150. Very similar to a standard array, you can only use each value once. So if you put your four in speed, you don't have a four to put anywhere else. Handling provides a bonus to your driving checks. Todd will be powering this thing by driving the Todd cycle and will be responsible for making driving checks when you guys encounter an obstacle, try to maneuver to grab a boon box, or, uh, you know, potentially get bumped into or or jostled by one of the other derby participants. Impellability is how quickly you go from your base speed to your max speed. So basically the gun fires, everybody hits go, they go up to 100 speed, and then based off of your impellability rate, 
It's how much speed can you add to that each round. So if you have an impelability score of four, you go from zero to 50 in one round. So now your speed can go below your base rate if you get knocked down. There are situations like obstacles or actions the other racers may take that would drop you below your base speed. You're just going to start at 100. So like if your speed gets dropped down to zero for whatever reason, and you have to get back up to full speed, and you have an impelability of one and a speed of 150, that could be 15 rounds to get all the way back up to full speed. So it could take a minute to accelerate back up to a full speed. Traction impacts saving throws. There are going to be obstacles or occasionally events that require you to make, a, to make a saving throw. The higher your traction value, the more likely you are to save going from zero to five. And then special, um, when you drive through a boon box, you're going to roll a D8. One through eight will produce a different item out of that boon box. You can hold two boon boxes at a time. It is a DC 13 driving check to grab a boon box. And if you score high enough on that, you can actually grab two. You will notice if you look at the boon box table, there are numbers above eight. There are certain numbers that you can only roll when you have a place modifier. When you're in first place, you actually have a penalty to your boon box roll because these things get more powerful as the number gets higher. Um, if you have a special value of four, you automatically add three to your boon box roll, giving you the likelihood of getting a more powerful object. And again, some objects can only be scored with a bonus, either from being in fourth or fifth place or by having a particularly high special, right? Oof. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to just kind of go from left to right. What value do you want to put in the battle wagon's speed? I say three. I have five, four. You want to go max speed? I knew he was going to say that. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing. What? Because no. if you use all your points on speed, but then you, you can only go like 30 or 40, it's just you're never going to get like just right. Or you lose if you lose control all the time. But you go if you go speed and yeah. impelability, then you can get there. You're going for the Donkey Kong build, and I don't think that's the right way to go. <laughs> you got you got to go speed and then impelability, because if we can get our speed down to zero, we need impelability to get back up, right? So impelability. I agree. I agree. I think that's the second most important thing. Yes, I have it as my second most important thing as well. But I also have my speed is my most important thing. I flip. I flip the two. I would say impelability four, speed three. See, I disagree with both of you. I think we should be focusing on keeping our traction and our <coughs> handling. Oh, sorry. Was it handling? Attraction is bonus to saving. Yeah. 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 Yes. Which I think you can afford to have a lower. Yeah. So handling is how easy is it to steer and traction is how easy is it to recover if something goes wrong? Yeah. Think of it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So one, prevent things from going wrong by being able to steer. Two, if you still screw up, recover quickly and then move on. What does Todd need to roll? Is it just a flat roll or is he using a stat for this? Uh, it's got what it's going to be flat rolls. Okay. Flat rolls. I could see taking speed. You said speed to a three. Yes. I could see that one. The, I could see that. And then impelability still max. Max. Yeah. All right. I could do that. Okay. So we got speed at a, at a three uh, and impelability at a four. What uh, what are we putting in handling, gentlemen and Maury? But which um real quick, uh, w what the fuck happened to y'all's dragonborn friend? <gasps> uh... Oh wait, never mind. I take it back. 
Why are there three tabaxi? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot for a moment what was happening. They all look exactly the same, but slightly different, right? We. I am very confused. No, no, no. I am only that with I have my hand on the hilt. That's true. (laughs) Wait. Yeah, no, that's true. Why why are there two tabaxis? Wait, so I just thought about something. It's Tabashi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. God damn it. Well played, miss. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well played, Bob. I am currently identifying as he. Baba two. Baba three? <laughs> Mama three day. Well, Baba three. God damn it. Baba three day. Baba <laughs> <laughs> three day? Baba three. <laughs> I just realized so Todd basically put his hand up on his hip and saw Baba dip. And when I dip, he dip. Oh boy. So he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, we've got a uh, a three in speed. What are we putting in handling there? Um. So what are we, we've got left our two and our one, right? And a zero. Yeah. I mean, we got a zero. Oh, this is going to be bad. Wait. Got a two and a zero? Okay. Um, I vote two. Look, I'm not saying originally there were there were only four stats and I added one at the end, which is why it goes from zero to four instead of one to five, but <laughs> sometimes these design decisions happen. <laughs> um, okay, so then... I have my handling at a, a, a two. That's what I'm saying. And then I have traction at a one and special at zero. Um, as you can, oh. Yep, and special at a zero. Yep. That's where I'm at, Todd. Nah, we, I want I want the special at two. Yeah, okay. Never mind. No, no, no. What happened? <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. No, come back. Come on. There's two of you. What, what do you have to say, Tabashi? Specifically, you're not supposed to be the leader of leaders. Please, speak. Yes, I feel like we may be underestimating the uh, the, the boons here. Uh, mm. These things could keep us in the race, uh, regardless of uh, our other attributes. I agree. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, that was great. Oh, that was absolutely great. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Oh. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Oh, Jazz is going to die. Wizard is about to die. <laughs> <laughs> it was so simple, but so perfect. <laughs> the, the two Babatoon days agreed that we need. <laughs> I just, I just feel like. Speed and impellability make up for a lot of faults. Yes. Yes. Because you get right back up to max speed if you... Quickly. Yeah. In two rounds, I'm back. I'm back, baby. They may not even hit their speed yet. Um, um, Miss... Uh, ham Jam. Miss Gillum. Yeah, Ham Jam. Miss Gillum. Miss Gillum. Um, question. Yeah. Do you know a lot about the, uh, about the boons that per, that per chance, uh, were to be gra- granted to us during the race? They change them up every year. It could be a total surprise. Okay, okay. But I, I do know there's some that are more powerful, and I know you have a tendency to get more powerful ones if you're running behind. And less powerful ones if you're in front. It's it's kind of a way to balance it out for if people have a lucky break or two. The old rubber band. You know what? That is the that is the magic science principle they refer to as the rubber band principle. Yeah. Qu- question. Uh, 
Is there any uh, odds on favorites to win this race? And do you have any any <laughs> tips that what build they might be using? Oh, I thought we were going to place bets. <laughs> I thought you were going to place bets, too. I thought you were going to. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. I was like, wait, wait a second. Something just occurred. Can we bet on this race? <laughs> Pete rose the shit out of this thing. Uh <laughs> Can we bet on this race? investigation can I do an investigation you know I bet Sherpik is running numbers for this (laughs) yeah yeah, the rogues they generally do quite a bit of betting I mean this is meant to be a little bit more of a engineering slash social examination of people's preconceived notions and how you know different social constructs impact uh, you know how the rules are applied to certain people but yeah no the the rogues of course bet on it like a motherfucker so um <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i do like to scout the competition there's the human team a couple wizards and clerics um they you'll notice them because they'll be wearing robes and these masks the turtles you know they, they're perennial participants we got a couple of new guys this year, which are a little bit strange. There's a, like a kobold engineering team that have jumped on. The dwarves, then the elves, uh, you know, they show up. Whoa. The, uh, the halflings generally don't make it past the starting line. There's a warforged this year that's new and has a genasi team with them. And then, of course, the goblins have got some real hot shit this year. So if I'm looking at the ones that I've scouted out, I would probably say mm, the kobold guys are kind of the X factor. This is really their first year participating. Everybody else is kind of a back and forth. It's not, it's not even really so much about who wins. It's really just taking a look at the way that the different you know forces apply, like it's just the, the way that things work out. It's not about saying one is better than the other or one is you know responsible. It's not about it's not about grading the racers. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So wait. So it seems as if the Babas think that maybe traction and special should be changed? We could put handling at zero and I could help uh, with driving. Whoa, I don't know about that. I give you, grant you the grace of a cat <laughs> and get advantage on dexterity checks during this if we wanted to put points in something else. It would take my concentration for oh, no. the amount of time, but just as an option if we wanted to save other things. The, other, the the special is how much is us getting the special, right? I plan on being in first place, so I don't think I'm ever going to get anything that, that great anyway. <laughs> yeah, I figured that would come out at some point. That's pretty much uh, par for the course. I mean, I did pick you for that reason, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think the strategy is always to just stay in front and then just protect your behind, you know. And just protect your butt cheeks. Just got to just gotta block. Yeah, so everybody's clear. You got the one driver, and then you got your four team members in the back. Uh, Champagne and I will be in the pit. Uh, not the literal pit, because there's a couple of those. But the pit where we can work on the machine, if, you know, something gets broken and you survive, then you can pull in, we can try and fix it. But, uh, you know, Todd, you're the driver, and then the other four of you will be in the back of the wagon, kind of as assistants slash gunners slash ballast. So, yeah, you guys can all participate in that function. Again, this is about examining how the different groups of people work together or interact with each other. So, yeah, that that's perfect. Okay. Can I, can I, can I maybe, Todd, can I just suggest this maybe? You could suggest the way. What if we do go ahead and max out our speed, however, we hold back on our acceleration and then... Get us better handling so that way you do get out at top speed and make sure you maintain that top speed over everybody else. So over the long course of the race. Real quick, I do I do want to remind you guys because I, I I know I, I know I wrote this note down and I, I don't think I read it aloud just a minute ago. But the faster you drive, like when you're at your top speed, it does get a little bit harder to steer. Mm-hmm. OK, it makes it easier to dodge stuff. 
Uh, so fu- get functionally game-wise, at your top speed, you have a penalty to your driving checks, but a bonus to your uh, saving throws. So that's why acceleration is important. Yeah, at three, yeah, that acceleration is important. That's why I think that should be, yes, yes. I think that's the four for sure. But if you put it in the handling, you don't fail the driving. All handling is is a bonus to the driving checks. Just that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but if you if you put it if you needed an exce- an acceleration because there's going to be things that other people do to us that can bring our speed down to zero. No. I do not want to spend seven turns getting up to our max speed. He just he just said if we're up at max speed then we don't get hit by their stuff though. No, 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 I ain't hear that. Or we're, we're less likely to get no, hit no, by no, that stuff cuz we'd, be, we'd have advantage. Traveling at 110 speed, 130 and 150 applies a cumulative penalty of minus one to driving rolls and plus one bonus to the saving throws. So it's not just your max speed. It's if you go 110 and it's minus one, 130, when you cross those speed thresholds, basically. I, I, I want to go fast. Okay. All right. Yeah, sound like the headshot. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ricky. I am speed. Kachow. I've met Sonic. He's a lovely individual. I really hope he gets that true polymorph reversed someday, but, um, you know, sweet guy. Maybe if you stop eating all those chili dogs. I know, right? That's got to be bad for him. Look, mom, I'm going fast. (laughs) (laughs) Not your mom, Dodd. Fucking weird. Um, All right. So do we have our final score? We're going uh, a three on speed. Uh, Are you guys moving the handling to the special or no? What's the plan? I say, if anything, we move the traction to the special and just say fuck traction. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Give traction a zero and special one. Yeah. 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 That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Cat people. Is that cool with y'all? Quick question. Mechanic wise. Mm -hmm. Do our abilities help? Any of this stuff? Yes, but it may not be a direct one for one. So yes, you guys, like if fate wants to cast fireballs at the coming carts, absolutely. Also, they are going to have abilities too. So, (laughs) Well, I I was thinking more of my aura uh, for saving throws. What's the bonus on it? Uh, I have my charisma to everyone's saving throws. Yeah, I would I would say that's, yeah, I would say that's functional. Then yes, I am, I I am good with not using, uh, uh, letting traction be the lowest. All right, so speed three, impellability four, handling two, traction zero, special one. Special one, okay. I think our shits look good. Yep, yep. Solid shit. We with we with the shits. Solid shits. We with the shits. They are definitely not cute. Not watery shits. These these shits do look like they will run. Mm-mm-mm. A solid one. Solid shits. Healthy shits. These are almost almost too firm. That might cause hemorrhoids brought to you by Tux. <laughs> Tux brings you hemorrhoids? <laughs> the savior, it's the savior. It's the savior. It's like a saving throw for your hemorrhoids, Tux. <laughs> brought to you by Tux. If we can't get a sponsorship from Tux now, <laughs> not the saving throw for you. Saving throw for yes. Oh no. Oh no. I'm just picturing Harlan holding up a tube. A sm- big smile as he rolls a dice. <laughs> he used all his preparation on that. The preparation H. <laughs> Y'all suck. So much. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> what do you think Kyogtum's magical ointment is, if anything? <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, head back to the woods to grab the Todd cycle. Todd has to drive it back extremely slowly as you all walk behind it. <laughs> You guys meet up with Ham Jam at the start, uh, starting line of the race. As you walk up, you can see that the Field of Madness has been decked out. There are pennants along the walls, which normally keep people out. The gates, which normally were a little bit smaller and would just allow one person or two, have been widened to be as wide as four carts. You can see a pathway has been laid down and marked out that starts from the east end of the Field of Madness uh, outside the perimeter, drives through the center by the tower, comes out the other side, then loops back around the north and then proceeds through the, t uh, the field north to south. So you guys will be passing by the tower where Ognum's body is at twice, once on your way east, uh, east to west and then another time again north to south. At some point, some of you will need to get into that tower and get the body. Keeping in mind, there are some distance restrictions in place. I'll let you noodle that plan on how you're going to work that out. So it, it, we still can't be 500 feet. 500 feet's not a lot of feet. No, it's not. Get your feather fall, guys, because I'm not slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little. No, none of us have featherfall. Mm. <laughs> Road rashes in your future, I see. The field of madness has been decked out to uh, to be uh, be be an event. A number of scrying orbs orbs that circle around extremely high up, avoiding the bizarre magic and reality alterating feel that happens from such a confluence of weird magical stuff being shaped. You guys kind of walk the Todd cycle by some of the Aarakocra park rangers, and you hear one of them going, yeah, man, this place seems really fired up. I've never seen her this kind of riled up. They're, it's being like extra super weird, the weirdest I've ever seen it. Uh, it's like it's excited to have all these people driving through. These people are, are crazy. Uh, as you guys make your way up to the, the starting line, Ham Jam is already there with the battle. What what are we calling the battle wagon? Forgot to name it. Pod pod? Absolutely not. No. What? <laughs> what? The pod? It's a wagon. It's a, it's like a pod. It's a it's a big pod. It's got a big Tux medicated pad sponsorship sticker applied to the side of it. <laughs> 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 the tuck truck. Let's go. <laughs> the tuck truck. The tuck truck. The tuck truck is ready to roll. Prepare thy anus. <laughs> The tech truck is coming. <laughs> no. This long hitch extends forward and latches into the axle of the Todd cycle, locking and, and snapping it in place. It will be largely impossible to separate the Todd cycle from the tuck truck while in the in the race, um, unless you explicitly do so. It does have like a little bit of its own mov movement speed. It's got like a very minor, a bit of mobility to it, but the Todd cycle is the engine for it. You guys pull yourself up to the starting line. You kind of look over and survey the teams that you're going to be going uh, up against. There is the humans who are look like they're driving an extremely plain cart. It's got like a team of four spectral horses. They're all fully cloaked and robed, hoods up, masks on. It's a very featureless white mask, uh, but they have different colored robes. There's a blue one and a yellow one and a red one and a black one and a white one. 
The the turtles are lined up next to them. It's like their wagon. It got like this multicolored paint on it that makes it look uh, look a little bit like it came from a carnival, almost like a clown. And it's got like this cl- uh, this cloud underneath it, circling around its wheels. There's just one just hulking turtle sitting at the front of it. Clearly, the driver. A shell has been adorned with spikes that have been bolted directly into his shell. Um, a undead skeletal looking guy crumbles down and then reassembles himself and crawls back up and sits down in the back. And then there are three turtles that have painted their shells red. Helmets, big war hammers uh, sitting in the back. The kobold cart looks like the most bitchin' ass piece of mechanical engineering that you've ever seen, uh, Todd. Uh, it's got this this massive engine that comes up through the actual bed of the wagon itself. There are four kobold mm. inventors clinging onto the sides of it and climbing all over it. Up at the front, the driver, fully armored in this segmented red dragon plate, massive flowing cape is a human, which strikes you as weird that the, the human is with the, with the Kobold Inventor team. He's definitely seen some days, older gentleman, middle-aged, some might say, balding kind of horseshoe hair, but it's been grown out into a ponytail, winged dragon helmet under his arm, and he looks over at you guys and does two fingers at his eyes and two fingers at y'all <laughs> and two fingers at him, his eyes and <laughs> points at fate and flips fate off and then slides his helmet down back onto his head. Chance takes over my right arm for a second and I flip him back off and I'm like, whoop. <laughs> Morris says, the tuck truck is coming for your ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this thing's spicy, guys. I like them. I don't know where you pick them up at, but uh, they are. <laughs> five mouths. Oh, no, not the five mouths again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All sheathed. Oh, no, that's Put them away. <laughs> <laughs> Five teethed mouths. <laughs> the, the dwarf team has doesn't have wheels. Theirs is actually quadrupedal. It's got like those those four weird robot legs of like that that one type of robot has. It's not just dwarves. So there is two dwarves. One in like wearing uh, like the, kind of a very similar getup to Ham Jam, but it's more coverally um, with red highlights. He's short and squat. A taller one next to him, a similar outfit, but the green highlights on his coveralls. A female dwarf sits behind them. She's clearly the driver. A sorial, uh, which is just a different type of, of lizard folk, is working on it in the back. And then there is a big myconid, big mushroom guy. Oh, no. A big mushroom guy sitting in the back. And he does the same thing, but he doesn't really have eyes. So he just points at his head and then points <laughs> at you guys, and then flips Todd off. <laughs> his red cap with the white dots on it, dusting off weird spores. The elf cart looks like they've taken the front wheels off and pushed them together and combined them into it, make it like the cart's almost like a big tricycle. It's got these equine curves to it to where there's a prow that comes out that looks very much like a horse head. A wood elf ranger sits at the front, green leather armor all studded out. His co-pilot, this woman wood elf, sits next to him. There's a little fairy that is, is flapping around and trying to give instructions to this b- big, so bulky bitch. hobgoblin. You'll occasionally hear a, hey, listen, <laughs> uh, pipe over from their cart. <laughs> and then a satyr that makes Eldrin feel incredibly uncomfortable wearing this weird... T- you don't see a lot of satyrs wearing pants. I fucking hate it. <laughs> but it's like this tight, tight green outfit. The heavily rouged cheeks, and he just looks over and sees Eldrin and gives him a tight little wave. What's wrong with you? 
<laughs> Why? There is a vehicle which could be, you know, I mean, look, we're all familiar with the VW bus, but if you can imagine, like, somebody's taking the car, they put the cover back onto it, smoke is pouring out the back of it, it's rocking a little bit. Everybody just instinctively knows this is the halfling cart and will not speak of it again. <laughs> as it rocks back and forth at the starting line. <laughs> the Warforged is there. There is a air genasi, a water genasi, a fire genasi, an earth genasi, and an aether genasi, because there are five elements, include the aether. They come together and uh, put their hands in the center, and there's this weird glow, and the Warforged seems to grow inside and transform into the cart, uh, at which point they climb up inside it and merge into it, Oh, no. They've got a bumblebee. Did they just Captain Planet their cart? Oh! <laughs> a little bit. A little bit of a Captain Planet situation going on slash Transformer with that Warforged. I'll form the head, yeah. <laughs> and then there is the Goblin team. And you guys have been in a lot of Goblin tech, right? You've dealt with a lot of Goblin stuff. And it is, you know, fuck you for being racist because it's not what you expect. <laughs> it is this shining, almost lacquered, sloping black wagon, almost as if they flipped it upside down and put the wheels on the inside. And it is this polished to this gleaming black. There is one single neon stripe, a glowing blue running down the center of it as it just hums with energy. Uh, ready to burst into movement at any moment. And the, the goblins in these weird glowing pilot suits that have lines running all down of them. We're going to get them in the sound. Fucking tell, tell us we're going to crash. And it just sits there kind of humming uh, ominously. And lined up, you guys uh, get ready to finally take part in the evaluative derby. And that's where we'll go ahead and cut this episode. Yes, I did design rules for D&D Mario Kart. And yes, I understand I have a problem. I appreciate that. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. Thank you to all our patrons. Special shout-outs will be back next episode. But in the meantime, if you'd like to see what they get for supporting the Party of Five, head over to gmdlcast.com slash Patreon. And if you're an existing patron, please make sure you've got your correct mailing address in there. The first round of loot drops for the... Under the new program, we'll start going out at the end of this month, and I just want to make sure I have all the right information to send it to you so I don't have to follow up because you know that's tricky. Uh, keep an eye out. Got a couple of lore posts in the work. Hunter's Party still due this month. A Ask the DM where I make up NPCs based off of Zork Fox desk because... Fuck, man, he mentioned it, and then I said, bring it, and he sent me the picture, and now I'm excited to do it, so that's happening. We'll get the Horde Mode videos up, and we're officially planning the next Tournament of Champions, the first to include Mori, so that will start next month as well. So anyway, get on over there. Um, in the meantime, if you can't support the show, we certainly understand it. Just tell somebody about the show. Man, that's such a huge help. Word of mouth is such a big deal. Um, a number of our, our patrons and our Discord members are, have been such great advocates and ambassadors for the show. It really does help a new show grow. And one in five people decide which show they should listen to next based off of the recommendation of a friend or family member. And without that one in five, I mean, it's like losing one of the cast, like like. Todd. And if we didn't have Todd and Harland, we wouldn't be getting that, that thick, thick tux money, which by the way, we're not getting any tux money, but um, we'd like to. Cool. Thanks for joining us. As always, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah.